Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. Hi, I'm Rebecca Tracy, and I am Being Boss. Today, we're talking with Rebecca Tracy about living an uncaged life. And the uncaged life is where Rebecca works with her clients from all over the world who want to have the freedom of working from anywhere by running their own online business. Whenever she's not working, she is rock climbing, traveling, riding her bike around Toronto, and rappelling off cliffs with her dog rhubarb on her back. And as always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, bosses, I hope the IRS isn't listening to this because I have a confession to make. I am really good at tracking my expenses, but I'm not the best at saving my receipts. I know, it's 2017 and we still need printed receipts. But get this, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting has made it easy. You can simply photograph your receipts with your phone, attach them to your expense, and be 100% legit. FreshBooks has a lot of features for tracking your expenses, including tax-friendly categories, multi-currency expenses, and easy-to-read categorization. Try FreshBooks Cloud Accounting for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Rebecca, thanks for joining the show. We're so excited to have you on. Yay, thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you guys, finally. I know, finally. Finally. Right? And we get to hang out. We were just saying that like... In, in this creative entrepreneur bubble, we all kind of cross paths like on Instagram and wherever. And it's always really cool to get to sit down and have a chat. These chats always feel to us like having beers or coffee with someone in real time. And so that's what this is going to be. So, Wait, I'm going to go grab a beer. I didn't know that was part of it. No, oh my gosh, you should totally go grab a beer. I've for sure I done almost, that though before though. <laughs> right? I almost brought a glass of wine today. Like it's just been one of those weeks where I was like, well, one, and like because I know to both of you enough that like it wouldn't be too terribly unprofessional, but I just brought water because no one needs to hear that today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really thought about it today. I've been limiting my drinking to the weekends, and I definitely went out and bought a couple of bottles of wine last night. Nice. (laughs) It's almost the weekend. Good. I didn't drink both bottles of wine. I only had one glass, but I'm feeling you, Emily. Like, there's something about this week that calls for wine. Yeah, same. I went and bought two bottles of wine yesterday as well. Like, I was grocery shopping yesterday morning, and I was like, I'm not going to drink it at 9 a.m., but I am (laughs) going to yourself. Right. (laughs) You're not going to drink it. I opened up and had a glass of wine last night as well and I don't I don't drink wine hardly ever anymore these Me days too, but same. this week just called for a really chewy red wine times two okay so you're in Toronto now is that where you live I, yeah yeah but you started your entrepreneurial journey out of a van right I did yeah right, tell us about it yeah it's exciting because I'm actually right now in the process of looking at buying another van with my partner so it's kind of all coming full circle which is super interesting um, yeah, I knew that I wanted to start this thing. I did not know what this thing was. I had a sense, uh, this thing is not what it is now. <laughs> it was very different then. Um, and my boyfriend and I at the time were talking about buying a van and going on a big rock climbing trip. And I didn't want to postpone starting this thing for another eight months, which is how long we were planning on going for. Um, so I was like, great. Uh, we're leaving in four months. That's enough time for me to like whip up a website and start blogging and try to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Uh, try to get some like, like some money and some clients coming in before we go. And then while I was on the road, uh, 
every rest day that we had from climbing, I'd be like holed up in a Starbucks or a McDonald's or wherever I had Wi-Fi, just like banging out content and networking and just sort of all of the online businessy things. Well, and what was it that you were doing for a living at the time? Like, how were you making money? I wasn't. So I didn't come from like a full-time job that I had to quit. Uh, I was doing a little bit of blogging and social media stuff for an online wellness company. So that's kind of how I got, like, that was kind of my foray into online business is working for this online wellness company. Um, I was doing some, I was doing some nutrition work before that and some life coaching before that, but none of it was really ever kind of a full-time thing. So I was kind of in this lull, actually, I was thinking I was working, I think I was making money by working at a restaurant at the time. Um, so it wasn't like, oh my God, quit my job and travel. It was like, well, quit this kind of half-assed job I'm doing that I don't really care about anyways and start this thing that's going to be really cool. So yeah, I wouldn't advise anyone start a business while going on a big trip, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a good experience. Like Much like Burning Man, it was valuable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it, it, it evolved into something more than just like a quote unquote thing. You've, how long have you been working like in growing your online business and what was the evolution of it like? Because we all know that they all evolve. Yeah. Tons. So that was in 2011, like in November 2011. So like end of 2011 that I started. Um, so it's been six years-ish. Is that six years? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, it evolved in terms of what I actually do. So it started as um, my my approach. I was still working with with mostly new entrepreneurs. A lot of my clients were brand new life coaches or brand new nutritionists. They were my friends. <laughs> Those were the two worlds I was in. I was like, I need people to coach. I need clients. Who can I go to? So it's all kind of people that I knew when I started. Um, and they were all starting their practices. And I was doing, I was doing everything from more of a life coaching angle, um, kind of really helping them div- dig deep into their values and sort of what they wanted their mission to be and helping them sort of turn that into their business. The more that my business grew and the more that I learned and the more that I, um, kind of experimented with things, I realized I didn't, I wasn't that great at life coaching. <laughs> I really just wanted to teach and tell people what to do. Um, so I, I kind of straddled the line for a little bit and really hesitated to call myself like a marketer or a business coach or any of that kind of stuff. Um, until I got to a point where I realized that that's what I was doing and that was, was what I was much better at. So I, I had to kind of do some coaching myself and, and ultimately give myself permission to drop the coaching aspect and, and turn more towards sort of teaching. Uh, which may not sound like a big difference, but it was to me. To me, I was like, this is like, you know, two totally separate things. It's not. <laughs> it's just a different way of working with people. Um, but, and I think we all go through those, those evolutions where we change our mind a little bit or we, we want to do something a little bit differently, but it's, oh, but I can't do that because that's not what my business is. And so I think that's like, that was a good lesson to learn early on because it continues to come up for me. I'm sure for you guys too. I think it happens for everyone. Yeah. I mean, isn't it so funny how quickly we can impose these rules and limitations on ourselves whenever the whole point of working for yourself is to be able to do whatever you want, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and those I feel like it's always those little transitions like between coaching and teaching or between... Uh, like for me, designing, developing, like those little bitty transitions, like in the exact same field, doing more or less the exact same thing, but a little bit differently is, is a really big transition, even though it seems like such a small, insignificant one. Like those little ones can take so much time to actually like grab a hold of. I know. And the funny thing is that our clients 
probably don't have any idea that we've made a change. <laughs> like, right? Like right. they're like design <laughs> development. I don't even know the difference. Just like do my thing. Um, or like, you know, coaching, teaching, like, I don't really care. Just tell me how to do my business. So it's like our clients don't notice any of it. It's like all our own mindset stuff. That's the thing. It's a super interesting thing to notice. Yeah. I, I, I work with that with my clients all the time where they're like, Oh, but I can't do this. I'm like, nobody knows what you do. So you actually can make this switch and it's not going to be like a, you know, a um, like kicking yourself in the ass or like shooting your, that's not the, what's the expression? <laughs> Putting your business in the, <laughs> well, you're like ruining something, not kicking yourself in the ass. Oh my God. Okay, I'm I like, like we're this so is my, bad about butchering this is my brain. Yeah. This is my burning man brain. There's an expression that you're not going to ruin your business if you do this thing. That's the one I'm looking for. <laughs> Shooting yourself in the foot. Shooting yourself in the foot. (laughs) That's it. Shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, don't. It's not going to be doing that if you make a change. For sure. So then tell us about the uncaged life because you have sort of bundled up what it is that you do or like found yourself in this place in your path where you are making a really big impact with um, with people who are trying to start. Um, businesses that allow them a certain amount of freedom. So tell us about the uncaged life and, and why that name? Like, what does that mean for you? Yeah. Well, the name I got, I feel like I kind of got lucky with the name. It, the name happened before anything else happened. I didn't even really know what I was doing in my business. And I was working with someone to just help me get like the basics of like the basic bones of a website app. I think I paid them like $200. Uh, and she did copywriting too. And so she like brainstormed a bunch of names and that was one of them. And I was like, Oh, that actually works really well. Let's just go with it. And it's stuck. Um, I liked the idea that the people that I was working with at the time were the people that I envisioned myself working with were people who were really sick of kind of the conventional, the conventional nine to five lifestyle. They were wanting more freedom, more travel, more adventure. I lived that life always. I've never had a nine to five. I think I had one for six months and then I was like, this sucks. Um, so I always lived that way. And the, the thing that people were always coming to me for before I had my business was like, how do you do it? Like, how do you, how do you just live this dream life? Uh, and my answer was like, well, mostly I'm broke. <laughs> so there's that. But, um, so I really like the idea of helping people sort of like break out of that, break out of that cage. Um, and it's worked really well because as my business has shifted, that core message or that core theme has stayed the same. So now a lot of my clients are solopreneur types like we are. So coaches, lots of life coaches, still lots of people in the health and wellness field, uh, other business coaches, designers, writers, people who want to be able to work at home from their laptop like this uh, without having to, you know, put on pants and go into an office. So uncaged can mean a lot of different things for a lot of people. And actually, most of my clients now have families. Uh, they want to be able to work at home and be with their kids, or they just want to have like, you know, go to go to noon yoga classes. <laughs> um, they're not necessarily like, I need to travel the world and live in a van and do all these things. So I feel like uncaged is really just it's a word that can kind of, you can, you can take it to, to use it for however you want your life to look like. So aside from being okay with being a little broke <laughs> or maybe appropriately budgeting or yes. getting your money in order to the point where you can live an uncaged life, what do you think are some of the things that entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs should really focus on first when starting a business? I think, well, so, I mean, first of all, the, I, 
one thing that I am a huge advocate for is keeping your job. And I see a lot of people who are really, really rushed to like get out of the job and start the thing, um, which if you don't have a lot of expenses, you're okay with risk and you're you know resourceful and know that you can co pick up another job easily, which is kind of the spot that I was in. Um, that's fine. But if you have a mortgage and a family and, and expenses and that's terrifying to you, it's not going to be any more terrifying once you do it. It's only going to get scarier. So I always recommend keeping your job and starting your business on the side. And it might mean that it's going to take longer to grow, but you're going to be able to make better decisions. You're going to be able to make business decisions from a place of um, actually what's best for your business versus just this kind of fear of like, oh my God, I'm going broke. I need to do something quickly. So I'm a huge fan of keep the job and build it on the side. Yeah, because it seems like the, you know, the idea of having an uncaged life doesn't mean that you're now constricted by your own fear or desperation. <laughs> right. But it, yeah, it's very true. It happens a lot, though. Um, can, can we talk about like living an uncaged life? Because even for people who are beyond, you know, quitting the day job and they've been doing this thing for themselves... I think a lot of us can end up projecting this image of freedom and what that really looks like. You know, maybe it's doing yoga in the middle of the day or traveling a lot or, I don't know, just having this kind of like flexibility to live life on their terms, but in turn become a total slave to the dream job that they've created for themselves. And I'm going to like raise my hand here and say that I have experienced this and sometimes... I might even be in the thick of it right now of just like trying to get some projects out. And I don't know if it's a season of life or, you know, like maybe this is what my 30s are about or if it's a season of the year. Like I just need to get this project out the door. But sometimes I feel like um I don't have that level of freedom that us creative entrepreneurs, like that's why we're doing the whole thing. So can you tell us like how to actually live it? Like what does that really look like? Yeah. Ooh, good question. Give me all the answers. <laughs> I guess maybe even just like what it looks like for you. Yeah. Well, and just to, to come back to the idea of being uncaged for a second too, I don't think it's always about... I want to travel and I want to be with my family. I want to go to yoga classes. There's, you know, my, my last week has been a really good example of being so, so grateful for the work that I do coming back from what was a pretty traumatic week and a really, really intense week emotionally, um, and getting home and just having zero energy to do anything. Um, I've been exhausted. I've been crying most days. I have sat down at my makeshift desk cause I just moved into a new house and stared at my computer and gone, fuck, no, I can't. And so I've, I've actually had the luxury of having, you know, it's been a week now since I've been back, um, to just cope. And I think that's really, really valuable. So just to, that just came to mind because I think it's all like, oh, the lifestyle, but it's really just about like being able to take care of yourself and, and make the choice to sort of work when you need to work and rest when you need to rest. Um, so how to not become the slave to it. <laughs> I've, um, for me, that's a business model question, I think, because, it's when you're first starting, right? Take all the work possible, make all the money, say yes to every client, right? I think that that's important because it helps you build momentum and helps you get experience. It helps build some traction. But ultimately you get to a point where I think most people get to where they're like, Oh, I've said yes to too many things and now I have no freedom. And so that's when it's time to start to make some of these like small pivots, like we were talking about and start to make some decisions about how do I want to be working and who do I want to be working with? And, um, hiring, hiring people to do the jobs that you don't want to do is a big one. Um, for me, it's been scheduling my work in cycles. 
So I let, I'll have like a couple of months where there's literally nothing happening. Uh, and then a couple of months, usually like fall and spring where I'm launching my program and it's sort of, it's like all of the work at once. It's usually a super intense two or three months, but then I know it's two or three months of back to just kind of being chill. Uh, but it took me years to get there. It's scary. Okay, I need to dig into this a little bit too. Yeah. And Emily, I don't know if you've experienced this or Rebecca, if you experience this whenever you're doing that, working in these cycles of working really intensely for two to three months and then coming off of that, do you feel a certain amount of guilt or do you feel kind of like, for me, I, I feel like I've been buzzing like a little worker bee at this really high speed and I've almost forgotten how to vibrate at a lower level. Like I've forgotten how to bring it back down. So what are some of the tactics or tools that you use to bring yourself back down and not just think of more things to create and launch because you've kind of gotten in that mode. Well, it's funny because my business very often resolves around um, rock climbing seasons. <laughs> and so usually after a big launch, uh, I go off on a trip somewhere. Uh, and it's nice because it's like a stark contrast from like working all the day to like not even opening my email or touching my phone for two weeks. And that actually helps because it kind of gives me that zone of like getting into like getting fully into doing nothing so I can come back and go, oh, yeah what was I doing before I left? Like, it feels like ages ago that I was so busy. So it's actually, I kind of like that, just kind of totally immersing myself in some kind of vacation or something where uh, I just can't work. And then I can kind of come back and find that middle ground for the re for the next little bit. Yeah, right, same Emily, for me too. we need too. to take more trips. <laughs> right? Well, and my thing is like, I definitely, I can't come down. Like, I've pretty much just realized that this is where I operate, like way up here, and I'm going to be buzzing that high always. And if I ever come down, I might as well retire because I think I'll be done. Like, I don't <laughs> think I'll be able to go back up there once I really experience what's down there. Um, but what I do... And I think especially the way, you know, we really cut back on our work in December and June. We've sort of created, you know, the podcast in a way where we do all of our recording to take December and June off. June, we work on just other things. In December, we don't work, or at least I don't work. I cannot do it. Um, and I've gotten to where I really work really hard all year with that, like December in mind, but that doesn't mean that I'm not doing anything. Like I see this like shift back and forth between work hustle and life hustle, where if I'm not busting something out at work, I'm doing something awesome in my life. And whether that is travel, which we do as much as possible, or for the holidays, there's lots of like parties and events and I'm cooking a lot and like trying to do some like family crafts and make cookies and those sorts of things. So it's not that I bring it down. I just refocus it. I put it somewhere else um, because I'm if again, if I bring it down, I'm not going back up. Well, and that's actually a really hard part of my business model is that the, like now coming back from a summer of doing barely any work, uh, it's hard to get back up there. It's hard to go back and go, oh yeah, okay, here we go. Um, and so it, I do find that I've had to keep kind of one, at least one toe dipped in on my months off, uh, so that it's, so that I, so that I'm connected to what's happening. Otherwise I come back and I just feel totally out of the loop and totally like it, it's, it's a shock to have, to the system to have to get back into it. 
For sure. I can also see like creating a plan for yourself whenever you get back, like almost as you're still coming off of that launch and still working right before your vacation, kind of making a to-do list for when I get back, you don't have to think about it. You just have to do these things. Yeah. It probably be pretty helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been great now having a, a very, very small team, but having someone to tell me what I need to do uh, has been helpful and having deadlines and having somebody else on board to kind of help with that uh, has been great because on my own, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> Tell us right. about that person. Did you hire a project manager or is it yeah, an assistant? She's like, um, she's like a project manager, business manager. So it's kind of like an overseer of all the things. Uh, and then I have an assistant as well. Uh, and it's fairly new. It's only been since maybe April that we've been working together. But I've kind of tried out a couple different ways of working with different people over the past couple of years. So there's always been like somebody else around to be my, you know, my ass kicker and my sounding board. <laughs> Like it. I want to go back to this idea of of uncaging your life in terms of work because I I think quite often we just assume that we're talking about day jobbers, so people who have a nine to five who feel completely caged in, and who have a hard time finding the time to do their you know creative creative endeavors. But I feel like we probably also have a lot of bosses who don't realize that they've built a business in a way that they're caging themselves in just with their own endeavor, which is something you were talking about a little bit. Um, ago Kathleen. And I remember finding myself in this kind of position several years ago whenever we had a physical studio space. The team was the largest it had ever been. Um, we were doing lots of great work and making lots of money, but I was miserable. I was literally going to work nine to five every single day when I looked up and realized what I had done to myself. I had built myself a nine to five. And I felt completely caged in. I really did. And so I'm one of those people who doesn't mind just scrapping everything and starting over, which is kind of literally what I did, where I closed down the studio. I uh, re or I shifted how I was working with people. And by you doing also that, packed up your car, I also packed up my car and, and my house on a long vacation and or I not took a vacation road trip. We shouldn't call love it. Love it. <laughs> I did. I did. It was a big drastic change and it all came from this realization that I had done something to my life and work that I did not mean to do because I was in a lot of ways chasing someone else's dream or chasing a dream that I thought I held true for myself. But whenever I really stopped and looked around, I realized that it was not what I wanted. I did not want to build an agency. That was not something that I wanted to do. Um, but I was doing it and I had done it. Um, but I will say that that experience made me so consistently mindful of what I'm building now that it has changed the way I go at everything in business. Like I no longer make these sort of like beginning of year goals and just truck at them all year long. Like I'm consistently checking in to make sure that every little thing that we're doing and every little project that gets put on the books is actually something that I want to do and not me just chasing whatever like goal has been set. And I think that's I think that's really important and just something I want to point out for people who find themselves not liking the job that they've built for themselves. It takes consistent mindfulness and a whole lot of clarity around what it is that you want to feel and how you want your job to make you feel in not only work but in life to consistently evaluate where you are and make sure you're on the right path. Because it's bad to be building something for so long and with so much energy just to look around and realize that it's not yours and you don't want it. Yeah, I think it happens really easily too because we, you know, we're 
in this online business world and we're connected to other people and we like hear about what they're doing and we see them launching things and we see how busy they are and we see that they have this new, you know, they're hiring team members. And so um, I know for myself, I start to feel like, oh God, I'm not doing enough. Like, look at all these, look at what these people are doing. They work so much. I don't work that much. And so I, I use, I would say I don't feel this way anymore, but I did for a while when I was kind of transitioning into the business model that I have now where I would, you know, I'd be in mastermind groups and like not really have much to talk about because I wasn't really doing a lot at that time in my business. I wasn't like, I'm not, I guess my business is not always aiming for like massive growth every year. That is not my goal. I do not need to like double my revenue every year. Like I just don't need to. Um, I would be happy making, you know, half as much money and like working way less. So it, it took me, um, for me, like cutting off social media, not following a bunch of other business owners, I'm dropping out of some really great masterminds I was in with really great people because they just made me feel that. They made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. And it, it had me start to push towards creating a business that I didn't really want to have. I'm glad that I never quite got there. <laughs> I'm glad that I kind of realized like, wait a second, you don't have to hustle this hard. This isn't necessarily the direction that you want to go. And you know, you don't have to grow every year. That doesn't make your business a failure and it doesn't make you a bad person. But it was hard to come to terms with that. I think I've more come to terms with it now and I'm totally okay with it. And a lot of people are like, how do you do it? And so now, you know, I I do interviews like this and people are like, how do you take so much time off? Um, And I think a big answer is like, I just give myself permission to and then I do it. Well, you've realized what you need, what you have to do to get it, and then how to stop once you've done it, which I think is is some, I know I struggle with this. And it's so funny. I've been thinking about this a whole lot lately. Like, and Kathleen, I love how you have your number. And I think David knows what our number is in terms of like how much money I want, like period. And so this is how far I'm going to work. And then more or less, I'm done. And so by knowing that, by having that kind of clarity, you're not blindly running towards gold or whatever it may be that it, that it is that you want. You know exactly what it's going to take to get it. You can do it and then you can be done. And I love that that, like that really brings me into this business owner mindset that I feel like I don't find myself in often enough because I am one of those people who will always be driving forward, <laughs> at least until I really figure out what that that end goal is of mine. Um, but I think there is some beauty for sure. And I totally envy people who have that kind of clarity and understanding of what they're doing. They can show up and do it and be done um, and be completely okay with that. I hope that I find that place for myself in like the next two years would be really great for sure. I feel like it's so easy on a more macro level to look at incredibly selfish policymakers who lobby really bad, like things that destroy our environment just so that they can make more money. It's like easy to look at those things and be like, what is your like... $500 billion that you already have not enough like do you also have to destroy the ocean in the process to get more right and that's just a really really extreme example but Emily it made me think about what you were saying kind of this question of like to what end like to what end if you don't have that goal in mind is enough enough so Rebecca I want to come back to you something I've been thinking I want to talk to you a little bit about and it might be a little off topic is rock climbing and just this idea of I imagine you and I could be totally wrong I could be totally projecting but being like listen I'm working so I can go rock climbing like and if I just have enough money to buy my shoes and my chalk and my ropes 
and hit the road, like I'm good. Like, do you feel that? Is that kind of what your life is or um, when is enough enough for you? Yeah. Like, how well, do you know you've hit that point? So definitely I would like to have more money than just to afford me to go rock climbing. <laughs> rock climbing is very cheap. <laughs> Um, I knew I wanted to, I just bought a, I just bought a kind of a loft space here in Toronto, which is insanely expensive. So that's a thing. Um, like homeowner? Like, yeah, like, yeah, wow. yeah. Like I bought Congrats. it. Congrats. Yeah. High fives. Yeah. High fives. Um, does that make you feel cagey at all being a homeowner? No, cause my plan to mostly just Airbnb it and travel a bunch. So, um, but so for me, it's like, I actually really like having income goals, but not just for the sake of having an income goal. Like I was, um, uh, last, or this year, last year, I bought a condo in Tulum, Mexico. It's not built yet. It was like a pre-construction thing. It was totally a whim well before I bought this place. Um, this, this is not on the plans, this place. Uh, but I, I was like, okay, I want to buy this income property. I'll go spend some time there. I can like bring some business friends there and I'll rent it out the rest of the time. Um, but you can't get a mortgage for properties in Mexico. So I was like, I got to pay whole cold, hard cash. So it was super motivating. I was like, great, here's the number I need to meet for this first like deposit in order to secure the place. Uh, and so it was fun. I ran, I created a whole new program that I'd never run before. I ran it and went amazing. So amazingly that I ran it again, two months later. Uh, and that, that was, you know, my, my deposit and my first payment. Uh, and so I love working like that. I love when I'm like on a money hustle I just think it's fun. It gets me excited. It gets me motivated. It gives me a purpose versus just having like a random number. I'm like, this is how much I need to make for my, you know, my bills and my whatever. It's not as fun to me. Um, so yeah. And so now okay, I'm now <laughs> just imagining our listeners thinking, oh my gosh, how do you just like create and launch a program that buys you a space in Tulum? Well, <laughs> right. That's definitely that. what I'm yeah, thinking. We well, talk about doing this practice, but like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Launch so, that buys you a condo in Tulum. Yeah. Well, and Toronto. this is the beauty of having, being really, really clear about what I'm good at and what I like to do in my business. It's the beauty of having worked for six years and built up a community and an email list. Um, this is not, you know, if I was like, three months into my business, probably I wouldn't have been able to do it. So like, it's, it's a luxury that I have now after six years of really building up to this. So I, I totally acknowledge that. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I created a small group program. So, um, a lot of my clients are just getting started. They're kind of still developing their ideas and their message and their niche and putting together their first service packages. Uh, but then I have clients who have worked through my program and, you know, they're, they're, you know, a year or two into their business and they're like, okay, I feel like I'm ready to scale. You know, I've been working with one-on-one clients. It's great, but I'm ready to like create something more. And so I created a group program where I help people create their first group. Uh, a lot of my clients are life coaches and they want to do group coaching, but they have no idea how. So we spent six weeks, we mapped out, you know, from, from beginning to end the process of creating and launching their group. Uh, I didn't, I'd never done this before with, I'd done it one-on-one with clients. I had never done it in a group. I had no idea how it was going to go. Um, but I knew that there was a need for it. So. Wait, so you're creating your first group offering about creating group offerings. It wasn't my first group offering. So my, oh, okay, yeah, my okay. main program like, is, whoa, this is getting very my, meta. My main program is group, is a group program that I run. And so okay, I always okay. have people asking me like, how did you transition from one-on-one to groups? Um, like how do you manage a group? What's the best way to structure it? Like how many calls should I have with them? Should I include one on one? So they had all these questions and I'd been running my group for four years now and sort of other smaller groups in between. Um, and so it just seemed like a natural thing to teach them. Uh, and it was amazing. I had, I think 12 people in each round. They all launched and sold out their beta rounds of their groups. It was super fun, super fun for me. Um, and I sold it just by emailing my list. Um, 
not as easily as I thought. I thought, oh, I'll just send out one email and this shit should fill. Not how it happens. <laughs> we, you know, I wish. Uh, it took, it took some hustling, but again, I was, I was motivated to fill it because I was excited about it. Um, and because I had this Mexico thing. And so, um, yeah, so, st- so stuff like that. Once you've done the initial work to really sort of really niche yourself in and build up your expertise in your business, it, I think it's easy to, to make money in your business once you've started. Starting is a different story, but. And isn't it wild how that mindset of just being excited about money or finding that it's easy to make money, like it it just begets more money. It's huge. Yeah. It would have been much different if I was like, like in a, in desperation mode or like totally not even wanting to do any more work, but been like, fuck, I guess I got to make some money. How am I going to do it? Right. Totally different energy behind it. Yeah. And I'm not a super like, you know, I think about money mindset stuff, but I'm not super into like visualizations and manifesting and all that. But I do think that like you have to believe that it's easy to make money. You have to have fun with it. You have to have a sense of humor about it and you have to be willing to try things. And that's, I think the biggest thing with my entire business is that I've been really willing to just jump in and try stuff. And some of it hasn't worked and some of it's worked really well. Yeah. I think that that mindset too of just experimentation is one, one of my favorite things about online business, because it is so easy to test and change things. We can really figure out what formulas or whatever you want to call it, strategies, processes, really works for, for any individual person. And I think that gives us so much room to have fun with our businesses. I mean, all of us creatives, business certainly cages us in, but in the online space, we're able to be so creative with them that mm, it just makes it, it's like a whole other level of creativity that we get to bring to what it is that we do, which I love. Yeah. And back to the question of, you know, if you've found that you've started to cage yourself in, in your own business, how do you get out of it? I think it comes back to this and realizing that you're controlling everything. So you have total control to try something new. Uh, And it doesn't have to be a whole life, you know, business overhaul like you had, (laughs) Emily. It can just be like scrapping a program that you don't like anymore or like wrapping up your client work and deciding I'm not doing any more of that. I'm going to try this new thing instead. So it doesn't have to be like throwing out your entire business, but just taking it like taking a small idea or project and running with it and seeing what that can bloom into. I'm just thinking about all the goodness of rock climbing in Mexico and Toronto. Like it's so inspiring. Yeah, it's funny because I... I'm someone who can't plan ahead. Like, I don't know what I want my life to look like. I can't even imagine having kids because I'm like, that would be so many things that would have to be set. And I don't want that. Um, so I was chatting with my boyfriend recently because we bought this, I bought this place in Tulum. Um, he was buying this loft and was like, why don't you go in on it? And I was like, I don't know. Okay. Um, and we're looking at this van and we, we had a conversation the other day where we're like, well, maybe this is what our life looks like. Like place in Toronto is a home base you know, place in Mexico where we can go if we want in the winter or if you want to go and, you know, work for a month. Uh, and then a van that we can road trip in and kind of just bouncing between those three things. And it's actually, I'm like, okay, I can see this actually. This is like, this is a plan I can get behind. I've been super scared to, to really commit to a lifestyle. And what I love about being on cage is that you have the choice to change your mind a lot. And so, uh, it's, it's an interesting year because I'm kind of falling into like some more security with like properties, but still having that feel even more uncaged yeah it's it's a fucking good life like it's very grateful I know to you know I know that there's people listening to this who are like yeah whatever fuck you um but it's but because I would be you know I before I started my business I was like I can never have that like not smart enough don't know enough who would give me money all of those thoughts 
Right. And I I love that you're talking about how you don't have this clear vision for what you want, because I find myself in that all the time. Like sometimes I think about what is like my inner mentor from Tara Moore. Like I kind of see what she looks like, but I don't know how to connect A to B like in any way, really. Um, But it is like it is that bit of curiosity that will lead you there and that idea that you're not going to cage yourself in with any expectations or this unwillingness to change your mind or any of those things that would block you in that will essentially get you there if you just let life take you in that direction. When I first moved into that van in 2012, I had no idea. I was like, this is never going to be a job. Like you are kidding yourself, but you know, just try it out while you're in the van and see how it goes. Um, And it wasn't a job when I got back, you know, it still took time after that. But I think that I had no idea that that was going to turn into this. And that was a huge risk that I took and a huge, you know, leap into like, okay, well, you know, you keep saying you want to do this, take a step. I think that's, that's what kind of gets you on this weird winding path to eventually getting to somewhere that's pretty awesome, even though you didn't know you wanted to go there. Right. And I don't even like I don't even still think it's probably a job. Like, I think if we all do this right, like if we all do it really correctly, it's never a job. It's a lifestyle. And it's something that blends itself so seamlessly with the life that you live that it's never really a job. Even whenever you go through like crazy launch seasons, though, I always see launches as jobs um, or any of those things. Like if you're doing it right It's never a job. You know, it's funny that you say that, Emily, because I think that I definitely think of my work as a job until just recently, like I put the nail in the coffin of the idea of ever going back to a nine to five, working for somebody else. And I think that's where I can recognize, okay, this is more of a lifestyle than a job because there's no going back. And so for you, Rebecca, it might be there is no going back to waiting tables or whatever it might be. And I think that's where I can really pinpoint that some days definitely feel like a job, like there are tasks on my to-do list. And I'm definitely working longer than nine to five some days. But there is still this idea that I'm doing it on my own terms, that even if I'm feeling super caged in by the dream job I've created for myself, I still have this like inner knowing of freedom that like is just in my core and probably that you know even going back to one of our very first episodes where we interviewed Lisa Congdon and she said I chose this like just knowing that I've chosen this makes it really feel um just free right you've chosen it and you can also change it at any point which I think is really important if you have a nine-to-five where you are working for someone else there's a limit to what you can change in your current position but we do have the ability to change anything at any moment and that's I certainly find that hugely gratifying whenever I look at what you know all of us have created and our ability to just to do whatever we want to with it High five, guys. High fives. We did it. (laughs) We did it. And like, I'm sure that there's people listening who aren't quite there yet. Uh, And I remember, I think it was somewhere in my first year, I was chatting with uh, another coach and I remember getting on the phone with her and we were both like, how the fuck is this ever going to work? Like, this is a hustle. This is hard. How are we like, just a constant trying to get clients and like, we were, you know, we were worn out and I'm so glad we didn't quit because I think a lot of people get to that point and they're like, this is not fun. This is not freedom. This is not, you know, this uncaged dream that they all, you know, they sold me on that podcast I listened to. Um, you kind of get to that place where you're, you're like, ah, oh. but I think, 
you, you have to push past that point because it, it is, there is a period, I think there is a tipping point where it, where it starts to snowball and get easier. Um, there's always work to do and it's always, you know, there's different things that become hard, but you get past the point of going, this is never going to happen to like, oh, maybe it is. Okay. Maybe it's happening. Okay. It is happening. And it slowly starts to shift from there. Right. And then before you know it, you're putting the nail in the coffin and you're swearing that you are never going back and that this is what your life will be. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. But I've also fantasized about moving into a van, like just selling. We've been interviewing a few creatives lately who have quit everything, sold their home in San Francisco to be able to travel the world for a year. And there is this, I mean, I don't it's know. dreamy. All of us crave that. But even that's hard. I'm sure that there are aspects of living out of a van that are not very I Even looking at this new van uh, with my partner now, we're not buying it so we can like sell everything and move into it and like live life on the road. Like, hell no, I've done that. I don't want to do that again. It's exhausting. Uh, and it's hard to run a business that way. Um, We're, we're going to have it as kind of a little freedom mobile for like, you know, two week rock climbing trips or like a month out to, to, you know, to the West Coast in the summer. But by no means are we like giving it all up and moving into the... I've done that. I don't know. Right? The the road trip we did was the hardest work I've ever done in my fucking life. Like hands down for sure. Whenever I think about doing it again, as dreamy as it is. And it was one of those things that while we were doing it, I remember thinking like, I'm going to look back on this and I'm not even going to remember how hard it was. Yeah. It's totally... A no, lot of it's type two can, fun. Oh, you do remember right? how hard it is. Oh, I totally remember how hard it was because it was the hardest thing I have ever done. What was hard sure. about it? Um, for me, for me, like the homeless piece of it, where like I need to have my roots down, like home is super important to me. That was unexpectedly difficult. Like just the, the, the psychological knowing that my family is homeless at the moment was really (laughs) difficult for me. Um, we didn't do a ton of planning. So like not knowing where you're going to sleep at night. I think it's part of the home thing for me of like not even knowing where we were going to sleep or even where we were going to eat. So like really basic like human necessities that all of us have, you know, set out for us every single day and for like years in advance in some ways. Well, and then throw running a business on top of that, not knowing if you're going to have cell phone service. Like much of Wyoming does not get any cell phone service. I was blown away (laughs) by how little connectivity there is out west. Oh my gosh. For sure. Yeah. Trying to have Skype calls and going, oh my God, I'm 45 minutes away from the next place that has Wi-Fi and like my call is now. Sorry, yeah. clients. Like it was really hard. And I actually found, and I've, I've traveled a bunch and worked on the road since then, just in, in different countries. And, um, I've stopped doing it because it started to feel not respectful to my clients when they would call me and I'd be like, Oh, sorry, I don't have any Wi-Fi. So there's definite, definite challenges to working like a true location independent remote lifestyle. Right. It's own set of challenges as dreamy as it may seem for sure. Well, I was going to say that I had an experience once where I was traveling in Eastern Europe with my husband, and we thought it would be really fun and dreamy to not have any plans, but I found it stressful too, probably in many of the same ways, Emily, you found not knowing where you, you where you were going to be staying the next night kind of stressful. And I think it also comes back to the idea that half of the fun is in anticipating and planning and figuring out what you want to do. And I think when you're as applies- type A as we are. Are, I think <laughs> right. And I think that that applies to entrepreneurship a little bit as well. Like, so for example, this year we kind of went about our year, I wouldn't say willy nilly because it has felt anything but willy nilly. <laughs> like, we've done a lot of stuff this year, but without any like hard, fast 
plans or goals or anything to really kind of look forward to. Um, and I think that we've even felt that that sense of tension in our business too, where it's like, okay, what's going to happen? And then you realize whenever you leave things up to fate, sometimes fate does not pull through the way that you want it to. <laughs> well, and I even think here, this may be a really interesting conversation to have, the difference between caging yourself in and giving yourself boundaries. Because in a lot of ways, they're the exact same thing, except they're also really not. And we are all about setting up boundaries for yourself where, you know, you know when you're going to be working and what that looks like, or, you know, when you're not going to be responding to client emails or not allowing your kids to come running into your office whenever you're on client calls or what it like boundaries are super important. Um, but I think they become cages when you stop being mindful of them, whenever you do set up boundaries that aren't your own or aren't going to foster your creativity or productivity um, or, you know, there are boundaries that have been there for too long that should be moved around or taken down altogether. And so there is this funny balance, I think, between between setting up boundaries that foster your creativity and productivity um, but at the same time not allowing yourself or anyone else to cage you in. It's some interesting parallels there, I think. Yeah. One of the biggest questions my clients ask me is, um, what my, what their workday should look like. So how to schedule their days, how to schedule their time. You know, do you, do you block off time for this? And do you do that? And I'm like, you do not want to see how I schedule my time. Like it is very disorganized. It is not glamorous. It's probably not the smartest way to work. And even if it was, it might not work for you. So I think it's really easy, especially as a new business owner to just be like, tell me how you do it. And then I'll do the same thing. And then we start to do that and get into the rhythm of it and realize like, this isn't working for us, but that's what she does. So it's probably what I should do. So I'll keep doing it. And then we end up with those boundaries that don't really work for us. For sure. I mean, that's what I love about my favorite byproduct of this podcast is just learning how everybody works so differently. Like we all want this formula for success and we're all just sharing our ideas for here's how it's worked for us, but we're all just taking what we need and experimenting. Like it's really cool too for your clients to try whatever it is that they need to structure their day because knowing that something doesn't work for them is also really good information. Yeah, and I would imagine, too, whenever your stance is uncaging, if you were to give people cages. Yeah, so, so here's the uncaged, the wrong here's the uncaged protocol. On Mondays like at that. 2 p.m., like- you take calls, and on... No. I feel like I should start a brand called The Kenneled Life. Like, I think I'm that dog that really likes my kennel. <laughs> With the door open... And a nice cozy mat in it. <laughs> but I like to be in there. I mean, With I... With a blanket I, over the top, a little cave. I visit that. I'm a super homebody. Like, I'm a, I'm totally introverted. I love being at home and not leaving the house for days on end and not talking to people. Like, I am totally good with, like, a mug of tea and, like, my computer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd come visit your kennel. <laughs> as long as you, like, came visited my cage once in a while. <laughs> I'll give you a bottle of water. (laughs) Is there anything else? Like, are there, you know, maybe even three pieces of advice that you give to your clients every single time whenever they're asking you how to make it happen? Is there anything that you're just always telling people? Yeah. So the first thing I'm always telling people is um, to unsubscribe from all of their email lists and stop looking at Facebook. Just like shut down their news feed and unsubscribe from everything. Because the biggest mindfuck is 
going down one path and then consistently trying to see what everyone else is doing. And it, it totally takes your energy away from what you're creating in your business. So that's like, it's, it's a rule that I make for people in my group. And I'm like, you can, you know, funnel all those emails into a separate folder and you can come back to them when our time is done. But like for my program, you are not to be looking what anyone else is doing. And I get all kinds of like, Oh, but what about this? And what about, nope, no, I don't care why you're doing it. Stop doing it. Um, and they thank me I for love it. I <laughs> that you say this because like, I hate market research. I hate seeing what everybody else is doing. I don't want to know. I just want to put my blinders on and do what I'm doing. Yeah. I make them do market research, but I make them go talk to their clients. I make them go and actually, you know, uh, I don't make them go talk and look to their up- market. Yeah. Talk to their market, but not talk to their competitors. Like there's a time and place for that. It's not when you're trying to sort out in your own head, what your ideas are. Uh, my clients are very new to business often, or they've been trying to do it for a while. And they're kind of like, they're like, I'm a life coach, but like, if somebody asks me what I do and I have to talk for half an hour and they don't understand, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you don't know what you do. So that's what we're working on. So, you know, you need to have your own ideas formulated before you can even look out there and go, okay, so who is my competition? What are they doing? You know, you don't, you can't know that until you know what you're doing yourself. So yeah, cutting everything else out is a big one. Um, Starting to take steps to put themselves out there is another one. I have them go and actually like email friends and family and sort of tell them what they're doing and, you know, post things on their Facebook page and and just getting used to actually putting it out in public because a lot of them are coming from a corporate background where, you know, being a life coach or, or jumping into like spiritual healing or even like, you know, becoming a nutritionist is like very... It's just a, a, quite a shift from how people know them. And there's a lot of hesitancy for people um, to, you know, kind of show this new direction that they're taking. Um, but you have to, you know, how are you going to have a business and hide it from all of your friends and family? It's not possible. So to get them used to actually really owning what they're doing and, and getting excited about it and, and being proud of it in ways that like feel comfortable for them for where they're at, that's another big one. Because once you start doing it, you start to realize people are supportive and you start to see that, you know, there's, there's people rallying for you. And I think we make up all kinds of stories about what people are going to think. Uh, and they're just stories. So I have them actually go and start, you know, start doing things in public to, to get them used to that. And do you have a third thing? Oh, um, what's another thing I'm always telling my clients? Um, I, I have them stop doing all the things. So I'm like, stop posting on social media, stop writing blog posts, stop like, trying to plan a webinar, stop trying to, you know, there's like a thousand, there's a list of a thousand things that you should be doing when you're starting a business. Uh, and they don't need that. What they need is some actual work on focusing on what they're doing and who they're doing it for and why they're doing it and how they want to sell it and how they're going to talk about it. And so they've been so busy, like making, you know, pretty quotes to put on Instagram, um, or like writing blog posts, which is awesome. And you need to do that, but without any focus. And so I have them just stop doing all of the marketing things that they've been told to do, get that focus. And then they can go out and actually do that stuff with some intention and some focus and have it actually be you know, beneficial to their business. Amen. I see Love so that. many people distracting themselves with things that they don't need to be doing. Like, well, I need to learn how to become a graphic designer so I can post a pretty quote on Instagram when no, maybe just focus on your core genius, like whatever the thing is that you need to be doing. And I think that these distractions can happen because they're afraid. They're afraid of what's going to happen when they do really clarify their focus. Yeah. I also think it's, it's shiny. It's like, it's something tangible, right? Like, oh, I made a website or I, you know, I posted a thing on Instagram. Look at this. Um, it's something that you can actually see. It's easy. It's easier to do than the deeper work of really getting clear on what the hell you're doing, right? That's, it's hard and it's frustrating and you go in circles and it's like not that, you know, not that exciting to show people. Um, so I totally get why like the visible stuff is more enticing to people. 
Right? Is that like society's addiction to instant gratification? Yeah, right. <laughs> a little bit there. And and business is not about instant gratification. It's about definitely long vision and long haul. So I love that. Perfect. Those are some really good tips. So putting on your blinders. What was the second one? Showing up. <laughs> also important and focusing. I feel like those three things are common topics around here. So thank you for sure for reiterating. All right. Um, Rebecca, tell us what's next for Uncaged Life or where people can find you. Yeah. Uh, people can find me. I'm I'm in my Facebook group a lot. A lot of people are poo-pooing Facebook groups and shutting them down. I am not shutting my group down. I am in there all the time. It's like my family. Um, so that's at, um, it's called Uncaged Lifers on Facebook. That's probably the best spot. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running my program again. So I'm just kind of getting back into post Burning Man mind fuzz mode and starting to get ready for my launch. And my program will run in November. So super excited to get a whole new group of newbie business owners in and you know, change their lives. No big deal. Awesome. And what makes you feel most boss? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I'm like, wait, this is easy. No, it's not. Um, t- honestly, like the, the days where, you know, I'll, I'll text a friend and they're, they're like, Oh, I'm at a work meeting and I'm, you know, I'm like sitting at the park with my dog. So like just those moments of like being really, really grateful being, for being able to take those little bits of time away from working at, you know, odd times of the day where most people are probably sitting at a desk. Uh, that's when I'm like, you're doing something right, boss. Right. That is a super uncaged life to answer. I love it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for coming to hang out with us. Thank you. It was good to chat about all these things. I hope everyone is inspired to, I don't know, if nothing else, like take something off your to-do list and go for a walk. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Sell everything you own and jump into bed. Wait, no, don't do that. (laughs) Or do that. We said that was a bad idea. Hang on. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like done. I'm already listing my stuff on Craigslist. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me on. Super fun. Thanks, Rebecca. We have gotten so much amazing feedback over the years from listeners about how our podcast has helped them start to grow and uplevel their businesses. So we want to celebrate you. Here's the boss we're celebrating this week. Hi, my name is Celia and I'm the boss. I'm a title reader and owner at thesugarcutter.com. And today I'm celebrating that it's my son's birthday and I'm launching my business. Will have never been possible without you and your community. Your podcast makes me believe I could set up my own online business and make me feel boss even before I launch it. Thanks. If you're feeling boss and want to submit your own boss moment or win, go to www.beingboss.club/slash I am being boss. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us. And you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Being Counter, David Austin. With support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.